America trapped behind enemy lines. Day number 220. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. So we're all watching Judge uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson and some of the things that she has said and and the treatment and the double standard. I mean, it's all it's all theater because it's all swampness and and you have a double a double standard on display. Let me play um, one of the things Ted Cruz had focused on calling out the Democrats, the media on the issue of filibustering minority appointments of Republican presidents like Janice Rogers Brown and Miguel uh, Estrada, names I'm sure you remember. Listen. I would note we are sitting on a committee where multiple members of this committee, the senior Democrats in the committee, happily filibustered Judge Janice Rogers Brown, a very qualified African-American woman nominated to the D.C. Circuit, and they did so precisely because they wanted to prevent Judge Brown from becoming Justice Brown, the first African-American woman. Joe Biden was among the Democrats filibustering the first African-American woman nominated to the D.C. Circuit. The senior Democrats on this committee also filibustered Miguel Estrada. As the staff for Senator Ted Kennedy said in writing at the time, the Democrats filibustered Miguel Estrada, quote, because he is Hispanic. They were explicitly racial. If you dare, if you are Hispanic or African-American and you dare depart, from their political orthodoxy, they will crush you, they will attack you, they will slander you, they will filibuster you. So this is not about race. All right, joining us now, Horace Cooper, legal commentator, co-chair of the Black Leadership Network uh, Project 21, author of How Trump is Making Black America Great Again. Caitlin Sutherland is the executive director of Americans for Public Trust. Uh, Horace, we'll start with you. Um I thought I I thought it was summed up very well by Marsha Blackburn. Some of the things that she has said, position she has held, that speech she gave at the University of Michigan, uh, which was extremely controversial, including you know support of Black Lives Matter, the the sixteen nineteen project, etc. Uh, well, I think the right observation here is you can run, but you can't hide. Uh, it is true uh, that the judge is attempting to. Uh, cover, dissemble, um, run away from. <clears throat> she just recently announced yesterday that she doesn't believe in the living constitution theory anymore. Um, she is uh, answered in a lot of her questions a way that would make you think she believes that the constitution is like I do, a contract founded between the founders and the American people at the time and that is binding on us unless we modify it. Except... Her record doesn't show this. So I repeat, you can run, but you can't hide. So in other words, she's saying all the right things to get through the committee, and then she gets a lifetime appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, she's a born-again uh, originalist, at least for the duration of these hearings. I am hopeful that we get to hear more questions about her role with Guantanamo Bay, about her role on critical race theory, some of her actual ideas. But what she's been saying publicly in these hearings is almost a complete and total rejection of those views. You could almost get to the point where a nominee has dissembled 
so much that it goes to whether or not they can be considered ethical once they hold the position. Caitlin, let's get your take on it up to this point. You know, I think that those are absolutely, you know, valid points. And, you know, we these are questions that need answers. Um, and what we also need to be focusing on are who are the dark money groups that are pushing her for this lifetime appointment? And does she share the views of the groups that are spending millions to back her, um, you know, to get this lifetime appointment? You know, these are radical groups that have all rallied behind her, you know, some of which have called the Constitution trash. You know, we need to ask, does she share these views? What are her connections to these dark money groups? And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they have decided that she is their number one pick. Um, and we deserve uh, answers if she shares her radical views. See, but the difference is, is Republicans, don't, they don't treat Democratic nominees the way Democrats treat Republican nominees. Isn't that a fact? Uh, Horace Cooper, because we, we all watched and witnessed what they did to Clarence Thomas. We all watched and witnessed what they did to Bork. We all watched and witnessed what they did to Justice Kavanaugh more recently uh, with a brutality and and a just just flagrant disregard for any any level of of honesty or respect. I mean, they'll do anything and everything to stop any any conservative pick to the U.S. Supreme Court. Byron White appointed by President Kennedy was the last time any member on the left was appointed who ended up actually supporting our Constitution, believing that they have to serve under the contours of the Constitution. Every single other appointee has been someone who has rapidly tried to overthrow the contours of our Constitution. And it is, to me, remarkable that all of the slurs, attacks, slanders on conservative constitutionalists have occurred, I believe it's because they can't answer the idea that the judge's job is to just interpret the Constitution, not present left-wing policy areas that when brought to the see that. So that's why we have to smear. That's why we have to slur. That's why it has to be so vicious. Let's go back in history, and it's it's now, I guess, become an adverb, whatever, uh, description of borking somebody. Um, this is Ted Kennedy, now deceased, uh, stopping the nomination with nothing but vile, vicious, hateful lies about Judge Bork, who was probably one of the brightest legal minds ever. Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions, blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters, rogue police could break down citizens' doors in midnight raids, and school children could not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censured at the whim of government. And people that, that, that drive off a bridge and abandon uh, a young woman in a car and don't tell any authorities till the next day, uh, I guess they'd be let free too, uh, Caitlin. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're right in discussing, you know, the treatment of, uh, you know, judges from the left and judges for the right, um, you know, and it's absolutely not consistent. 
Um, you know, we've seen in years past, you know, treatment, um, you know, of Justice Kavanaugh um, that was, you know, absurd. Um, and here we have uh, Judge Jackson coming forward of a lifetime appointment, you know, again, being backed by these radical dark money groups. Expl- explain and- the dark money groups. Who are you talking about specifically? You know, the main, you know, the main group um, is Demand Justice, um, which is the group that, you know, set this all in motion from day one. They bully Justice Breyer into retirement. They put out a shortlist with Judge Jackson at the top, and then they instilled an alum in the White House to lead Joe Biden's pick for the next Supreme Court justice. And lo and behold, who does he pick? Someone from Demand Justice's shortlist. If something like this happened on the other side, everyone would be talking about it. But here she is, you know, before a hearing, getting a pass from so many senators, despite these obvious connections to Demand Justice. You know, let's go back, and it got so bad uh, in the Clarence Thomas hearings, again, for context and just rank hypocrisy of the Democrats. Uh, to the point where the, these these allegations are made against Justice Thomas, and here's how he forcefully responded. This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. U.S. Senate rather than hung from a tree. Wow. Pretty powerful, Horace Cooper. And who is at the center of this? Joe Biden. Joe Biden was at the center of the Bob Bork. But it's remarkable how none of the mainstream media pays attention to this overwhelming record. He is no moderate, Joe Biden. He is whatever is needed for the circumstance. If it's give the shaft to Clarence Thomas or Robert Bork or anyone else, he's more than willing to. If it's placed the most radical member on the Supreme Court, he's more than willing to. And the big money supporters in the background, they love it, and they know that that's where they're going to get. We continue now our analysis of the hearings that are going on for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson for the U.S. Supreme Court with Horace Cooper and Caitlin Sutherland. Let's go to Katanji Brown Jackson's answer to Josh Hawley that nothing could be further from the truth that my sentencing is light in child porn cases. And when in reality, uh, they have the minimum sentencing guidelines in numerous cases that Hawley has put out. She did not follow those guidelines. Here's our answer to that. As a mother and a judge who has had to deal with these cases, I was thinking that nothing could be further from the truth. These are some of the most difficult cases that a judge has to deal with because we're talking about pictures of sex abuse of children. We're talking about 
graphic descriptions that judges have to read and consider when they decide how to sentence in these cases. And there's a statute that tells judges what they're supposed to do. Congress has decided what it is that a judge has to do in this and any other case when they sentence. And that statute, that statute doesn't say look only at the guidelines and stop. The statute doesn't say um, impose the, the highest possible penalty for this sickening and egregious crime. The, the statute says calculate the guidelines, but also look at various aspects of this offense and impose a sentence that is, quote, sufficient but not greater than necessary to promote the purposes of punishment. Now, Caitlin, um, it had been noted by the press that Hawley voted for judges that similarly didn't follow sentencing guidelines in similar cases. But the reality is there's a high number of them here. Does that concern you? Yeah, I mean, what concerns me is that, you know, Judge Jackson, you know, is being very defensive about her judicial record. When when you are facing a lifetime appointment, everything needs to be on the table. And it is completely fair for U.S. senators to scrutinize her different, you know, uh, judicial decisions. Um, but what also is equally concerning is what she is declining to weigh in on. You know, for instance, she declined to weigh in on whether or not she agreed we should pack the Supreme Court, which is something that the far liberal groups um, that are backing her want to see. Well, um, well her so- answer was she's not willing to give her personal views on court packing as it's a policy issue for Congress. Do you think that was a cop out? Absolutely, it's a cop out. Um, you know, again, you know, you are facing a lifetime appointment, and these are questions that must be asked, um, particularly when you have these main groups and Joe Biden, you know, having these views, you know, you're being backed by the radical left for some reason. Joe Biden, who is a friend of the radical left, picked you for a lifetime appointment. You know, your record needs to be scrutinized, um, and, you know, you should weigh in on these important questions. Sean, can I go back to her clip and her answer real quick? She gave this lengthy answer that made it appear that it was a long, hard struggle for her to uh, have to reach the outcomes that she was reaching. It turns out it was a long, hard struggle for her to have to explain later why she was so soft on a group of people that almost all criminologists say this area of aberrant behavior is the hardest to treat it is the hardest to accept and the recidivism rate is through the roof absolutely so the struggle is what reminds me of what jesus said you will know them by their fruits they are false prophets she supposedly really concerned and troubled by all of this except that when it comes time to hold these people accountable she suddenly discovers it's really really hard to have no upper limit that's what we need is no upper no, limit if, if you and if as she stated herself she's going to factor in critical race theory that raises uh, i think significant ethical legal questions about built-in biases that she may have uh, but I imagine that, you know, this is, is this is going to be a straight line Democratic vote and probably a couple of Republicans uh, will support her as well. I would not support her candidacy for the Supreme Court based on just the comments Marsha Blackburn pointed out. 
Thank you both. Uh, Horace Cooper, Caitlin Sutherland, thank you. 800-941-SEAN, our number. We'll get to your calls next. Quick break, right back. deserves to know the truth about Congress. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Before we get to your calls, it is kind of amazing. It started with Rolling Stone. I think the New York Times is now leaning into this. Hannity quoted uh, the Kremlin. He quoted the Kremlin saying bad things about Joe Biden, that he was very, very weak and forgetful. And I'm like, uh, they were actually quoting me. Because we've been saying it now since before the election. Weak, frail, cognitive mess. And what else have I said? I said, you know, the problem is we're not the only ones seeing this. Now the polls show that a vast majority of the American people see that Joe is in a significant cognitive decline, not fit for the office. And the problem that I pointed out all this time is it's it's not just me seeing it it's not just all of you in this audience seeing it it's not just now a majority of americans seeing it the problem is the world's hostile regimes and hostile actors they're all seeing it too and that represents a a clear and present danger to the world because they're making decisions based on what they believe an american president is capable of and they're looking at joe and frankly they're giving a good hard look at kamala harris too who's coming off as not particularly up to the job, and I'm being kind to my description here. She really is not smart enough for this position. She's not strong enough for this job. No wonder her staff keeps leaving because they don't want to be a part of this mess. Um, And, you know, with the recent wave of Biden gas, I'm only pointing out what is the obvious. You know, Crimea happened under Biden and Obama. Uh, The caliphate was built under Biden and Obama. Donald Trump destroyed the caliphate, took out Soleimani and al-Baghdadi and associates and the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen, if you want to go down the list. And Ukraine and Putin, uh, guess what? They were fine. Vladimir Putin did not invade a, a sovereign nation with Donald Trump as president. That's what strength is. They saw his strength on the world stage and they believed when he said something, he meant it. And I, I, I do know from sources that what he said to the Taliban, which was, if you dare, if you dare move one inch beyond the territory we're agreeing to, I will obliterate you just like I did the caliphate. And guess what? Not a single American was killed by the caliphate. I'm, I'm sorry, by the Taliban in the last 18 months of Trump's presidency. Pretty amazing. Now, look, I'm just stating the obvious, and maybe people don't like that I state the obvious. And the fact that I'm pointing out that what I predicted is true, that foreign nations, hostile regimes, and hostile actors see what I see. And I quoted Russia saying and that they see what I see, which I've been saying would happen forever. It's just basically a roundabout way of saying, I told you that this was going to happen. I told you that they, they're, this is, 
the world is the world studies American presidents. They watch their every word ever spoken. They view in slow motion every video that is public of a United States president. They are making determinations every single day on on the United States of America and the strength of our government and our president. It's just a fact. And and spying on top of it. Well, you decide. Maybe maybe you think I'm wrong. Here's the just recent wave of Biden gaffes. The first lady's husband uh, contracting COVID. But uh, look at this room and what you, what you see. Pardon? That's right. She's fine. It's me. That's not together. The second lady, the first gentleman. For a mom to get her kid on the internet to be able to do their homework has to pull in the McDonald's parking lot. I mean, for real. That's what's happening. This law is going to put an end to all of that. It's going to put people in a much different position to be able to determine their own their own judgments about when to sell their cattle. And a pound of Ukrainian people, the proud, proud people, pound for pound, ready to fight with every inch of energy they have, is becoming much more informed on the um, the motives of mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. some of the political mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's your president. You know, so the irony here is that we have been saying and warning that foreign leaders, hostile regimes would notice all of this and try and take advantage of the situation. We've, we've been the first to say that. Um, and it's funny because the first thing I got criticized about in this, this conflict was the fact that I was the first person, not the second, the first to say that he needs to be taken out, meaning Vladimir Putin and how if you invade a sovereign nation uh, like he has and you're killing innocent men, women, and children, and you're targeting civilian areas, you forfeit your right to lead any country, and frankly, you forfeit your your, your life in the process, and that by any means necessary, this guy's got to go. That's been my position, so I get criticized on both ends of this. I've said it for over two years. Rolling Stone, you need to pay more attention. If you're going to write about this show, you might want to listen to the show. I mean, they're so stupid, it's beyond, and Yahoo News just cuts and pastes and copies everything that, you know, any left-wing, you know, radical paper puts out there. And by the way, I'm fine with it. I'm used to it. It's not a big deal of my life. But the reality is they, they, they don't listen. Then there are other people saying Hannity is a, is a neocon and he's, he's, he's pushing to get troops on the ground. That's another lie. I have stated explicitly over and over again not to do that to follow the 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 peace through strength policies of reagan and donald trump they're very different the trump doctrine is different from the reagan doctrine in large part because of the advancement of of military weaponry and technology but reagan supplied the mujahideen the stinger missiles and and they beat the invading soviet union at the time when they invaded in the 80s and he helped supply the freedom-fighting Contras in their battle against the communist Sandinistas and Daniel Ortega. And, and it played an impactful role. Not one American boot on the ground. And Trump just bombed the living hell out of the caliphate and defeated him. 
just like he defeated Soleimani, Baghdadi, and Associates, etc. Anyway, Ken is in Tennessee, the great music city, Nashville in Tennessee. What's going on? How are you, Ken? Glad you called, sir. I'm doing pretty good, Sean. Hey, the reason I'm calling, I heard you bring something up Friday with uh, when you were talking to General Keene on your Hannity show, and you brought up something about the uh, Ukrainians taking some action on their own and going into Russia and hitting some of their uh, places, you know, like their pipelines. Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned Moscow, and he kind of blew that off. And I'm, I'm just curious, why they don't want the Ukrainians to fight back? Well, th- listen, they're fighting back valiantly, and I know well, it's, it's very clear. To, at this point, I'm sure that they're that they're maxed out in terms of of the ability to to fight on on a different front however hurting putin financially and i would not fight the war the way that putin's fighting it targeting innocent people and civilians and having collateral damage uh i think you mentioned something that would be powerful and effective and that it would be to knock out putin's source of energy uh yeah not a bad idea the problem that Zelensky would have in making that move might be the dependence of Western Europe and NATO allies on Russian energy even still. And so then he could create problems for them also. Uh, but there would be other targets, strategic targets that wouldn't kill innocent men, women and children. But there's got to be consequences and pain uh, associated with, a you know, an invasion like this. From my perspective, what I'm trying to get at is. Right now, they're like a punching bag. They're on the defensive. You know, we we only want to supply them with defensive weapons. We don't want to fly, uh, supply any offensive weapons. Now, by the, way, by the way, javelins can be used offensively, and so can Stinger missiles be used offensively. So they're full of crap. Well, if they want to turn this war around, they need the Russian people to rise. And if if they strike, like, their power plants or their transformers, that pipeline... Now, you do run the risk of causing a sympathetic backlash towards Putin and and a victimization that doesn't exist. You do run that risk. However, I think in the information age we live in, even with Vladimir Putin banning Facebook and banning social media and having state-run propaganda media, kind of like we have in this country with few exceptions, um, you got to just think through that just a little bit. But anyway, your point's well taken. About here, what if they set off right in the middle of Moscow an EMP that wouldn't hurt any people, but it would just destroy all their communications? I well, I, 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 I think probably the capability of Russia far outweighs that of Ukraine. That's my guess. But if another country wants to provide that technology to Zelensky and they want to deploy it, um, that that that's that's the nature of war right now. War has been declared by Vladimir Putin against Ukraine by any means necessary. They got to fight back. The only thing I would recommend to them is don't target innocent civilians as he has targeted innocent men, women and children in your country. Anyway, appreciate good call. Thank you, Ken. Quick break. Welcome back. More of your calls. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Let's get back to our busy phones here. Nathan, Oklahoma. Nathan, how are you? Glad you called, sir. 
Oh, thanks for having me, Sean. Thank you. What's on your mind? So uh, I called about the monoclonal antibodies infusion you were talking about yesterday and everything. Uh, I'm, I actually got the virus back in uh, uh, at Thanksgiving. Right. It was the uh, Omicron. And I'd been listening to I mean, I'm a longtime listener to Fox. And I listen to you all religiously. <laughs> and you. I know back back in 21, about the summer of 21, you were talking about this infusion about the monoclonal antibodies. And so I did a lot of research on it, and I paid attention. And then whenever um, I actually caught the virus back on Thanksgiving, uh I did. I started feeling some bad symptoms, so I went and got tested the day after Thanksgiving. And you had it. It, it popped positive. Popped positive. I called my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law, who was around me. They both popped up positive. So by 4 o'clock that afternoon, I was already down getting monoclonal antibody infusion done. I don't know wow. a single person that gets it within the first 48 hours that doesn't do phenomenally well. I did. I did phenomenally well. And then what happened to me, because of the fact that I am actually a diabetic and I'm also a high blood pressure, uh, a week later, after I'd had the infusion and everything done to me, I ended up, I dehydrated. So I ended up in the hospital. And the I ended up in the uh, the emergency room. So it was an emergency doctor that actually seen me, which they see all the bad stuff all the time anyway. And uh, he went over me and everything. I mean, I was, I was hooked up to two different IVs. And he, I told him that I'd got the infusion stuff. They did the x-rays on me to check for spots on your lungs. And he said that if I hadn't had that infusion, I'd be dead. He said you would have never. Listen, with, with the comorbidities, let me ask you one question. You don't have to answer it. Are you overweight? Yes, I'm actually overweight by 40 pounds. Okay. Uh, so, I, I hate uh, to tell you, you you likely would have struggled mightily. And, well, and yes, it, it you needed the, you are the top candidate for monoclonal antibodies, but I recommend it for everybody. And oh, we should be producing like, enough for everybody now that we are expecting another wave, but, of course, Joe's not going to do that. Right. So my, my mother-in-law, who's, you know, she's in 75 years old, she's, cleared from it my sister-in-law's cleared from it i'm cleared from it all three of us made it through this whole thing and perfect health great feeling at this time and it's all due to fox and everything for me listen y'all because i would have never known about monoclonal antibodies if i wouldn't have heard let me let me say this in closing here's my advice and where a new wave seems to be starting and slowly in the northeast the one from europe that they're experiencing if you get positive, a positive test, immediately call your doctor and ask about monoclone, like in cloning, monoclonal antibodies. And if your doctor doesn't know about them or doesn't want to hear it, call another doctor. But do your own research like you did. Talk to your doctor, your doctors. And But it's got to be the faster you get it infused, the better it works. If you wait the day seven eight nine ten you might be too late that's the that that's my recommendation but you have you need your doctor to sign off on it i've never seen a case where somebody gets it within 48 hours the infusion that doesn't do as well as you did i'm glad you're well nathan i'm glad it worked out for you we really appreciate you being with us 
800-941-SHAWN if you want to be a part of the program. Quick break, right back. Relief. Feel the difference. 